Hey y'all, this is Seba, the Southern Fried Witch, and this is episode 32. Well, today there's a nice cold front that's coming in, and it's definitely laying down on us at night. We're seeing, I think, 42 tonight. Of course, today's like 70-something, and then in another week I'm seeing a whole week of that kind of action. So we have lowered the sides of the high tunnel for the evening. Our black beans are up, our green beans are up, our popcorn, our green corn, and I can't get my chickens to stop being broody. Every time I think I've got them under control, y'all, I go out there and I've got to nearly cry and plead and get a crowbar to get somebody off their eggs. So every now and again, I'll go ahead and give up. I've been able to sell most of those little chicks for a really good price because they're special. They're silky bantams and they're gorgeous and have little top knots and some of them are frizzles and I have replaced my morans by just grabbing out a handful of eggs and hatching me out a couple of babies. So that's good. It's spring and good luck explaining to everything out there that they should be depressed. They do not know to be depressed. And they're happy as shit. So we've got all kinds of good stuff going on. I cannot get the asparagus patch to calm down. Of course, we've had a lot of rain too. So it's every day. No matter how depressed you are. No matter what's going on in the world. And by the way, y'all stay off of Facebook if it gets too bad. Just leave it alone. I took a two-day hiatus and it was like going to the beach. Well, I felt just as good as I would have coming home from that beach. Now, that's amazing. So there must be just too much negativity, too much crap out there right now. And I know I need to see the news, but when I feel oversaturated, I don't know if y'all are like me and you can get oversaturated with people, bullshit, news, politics. But I mean, I feel like screaming and taking somebody's head off. And when I take it all down and tell Facebook to shut the hell up, it really rejuvenates me. Anyway, back to the situation. Every day is a new surprise because we've taken so much time to plant lilies and irises and amaryllis and everything pops off at a different time of the year. So we'll run out there and it's, oh, the old blush rose is blooming Or like today, the Dave Austin charity is blooming and, you know, it's something new all the time. So I highly suggest, even if you're in an apartment, to put you some chive seeds in a little bucket, anything really at this point, it will cheer you up. You know, but the trick of it is to allow it to cheer you up. Hold up. Let's discuss that. Y'all remember being younger, maybe in your teen years. Hopefully you didn't do this in your 30s or 40s. And go into a gathering or party or some such. And being in one hell of a crap mood. I don't care what it was about. You know, that, that would be useless to think about what all it could have been about. It doesn't matter. But your panties were in a wad. It was shoved right up your crack. And you had pretty much showed up on the scene determined that you were not going to have a good time. Do you know what I'm saying? Now, I'm not saying that you weren't really upset or that something bad didn't really happen, but you kind of walk into a situation and you just weren't going to have it and everybody was going to be gloomy with you. You ever been like that? Well, I've raised three teenagers and I know I got like that. Well, sometimes I want to tell y'all that I'll walk out there on the yard and it's beautiful. I know the world's gone to shit. I get that. But a red cardinal will light somewhere on the fence or a butterfly will land on my hand and I almost want to brush it all away because I'm so beaten down and downtrodden by what's going on in the world that (laughs) 
that I won't let the good in when I see it. You know, I know it's a protective sort of impulse to not let that good in. I don't want to go to a height I can fall from. So I just stay down here on the ground and let the depression and the blues just take me. Y'all do that? Are you doing that right now? Well, I tell you what, one of my sons, I'm not going to say which one, um, has his own moments where he gets depressed. And I came outside and he was sitting there in the rose garden, just sitting in the rose garden reading uh, Stephen King's The Stand. And don't tell me that's not ironic. I begged him to read it for years. It took this to make him read it. But there he sat. And the sun and the wind and the flowers. And he wanted to walk around with me and see what all was coming up, you know. Um, The corn and the beans and identify the different roses. What name were they and when did I get them and that kind of thing. And we just spent maybe 20 minutes in the yard walking around looking and forgetting about everything for a while and being really present in that moment. And it cheered me the fuck up. I tell y'all what, I woke up this morning to one hell of a panty waste of a situation. I have no idea what crawled up one of my friend's asses, but my friend has had problems in the past and I know that this friend is not necessarily on good solid ground. But I woke up and he had lost his shit. I don't know, about four or five folks that he had tagged and just called out and decided they were all crap and they needed to be told about themselves. I think we were called bitches. And it was really hurtful and it was really crappy. And I thought, you know, I know it's really easy right now with everything going on to lash out. I know it is. It's in my nature too. I've had to fight this thing out of myself. I'm finally getting to a place where I'm really proud of how I react now because all of my life, if I skinned my knee, if I fell, if I hurt myself in any way and somebody came over to touch me or help me, even as a small child, the first impulse I had was to hit them. You know, I was in pain and something else needed to be in pain too. I was born like that, acting like an asshole. Asshole baby Seba. But the problem with doing that is that After you do, you might feel better for an instant. It's like scratching an itch to be a dick. And so you do it. But then, honey, you got a rash or an infection now. And you've got to deal with that too on top of it. It's not a good impulse. And it's not a good look. And when you get done feeling better because you just called somebody a bad word and you made yourself feel all self-righteous and good, when that dissipates, you're going to have to look back on that. Now who's the jerk, you know? So I didn't respond to that. I did block him so he couldn't do that to me anymore because I don't want to wake up to that kind of asshattery. I'm getting way too old to deal with that shit. But he's got my phone number and he can call me. I don't know if y'all could hear the TV in the background just now, but I asked my son to cut the movie down. We're all stuck here together in quarantine, y'all, and it's hard. I mean, it was a Jackie Chan movie. Come on. That's good stuff right now. But one of the things I've been really worried about, something I've been studying on just recently, and I want y'all to know that I was doing it too. So the first place I work on, the first place I criticize is me. And that is, I noticed that I was halted. And that's not hard to do. I've got three unemployed folks living at my house. Um, We are in deep financial trouble. I'm not so sure how secure we are. And I can imagine that some folks are even in worse shape than that, much, much worse shape than that. And so I get it. I'm sure that the extremities of something like this don't apply to what I'm going to talk about. But what I noticed I was doing was I was waiting, I was planning on what I was going to do when this is over. Hold on just a second. Kitty cat, stop licking your balls. Kitty, stop licking your balls. Boy's going to have to do what a boy wants to do. Anyway, so it got worse and worse until I literally, I'm just sort of in limbo waiting to live again. Now, I've been here before. Not like this. 
but in this state, this stasis, if you will, where I was just waiting to live again. I had a husband leave me on a mountain with a baby in my belly, and we barely survived. And I remember that first six months, I wasn't really living. I was waiting to live again. And then there was 2016, which we've already discussed, and it was absolutely horrifying. And I was waiting to live again. And there have been years I've been so depressed that I wouldn't even come out of my room. And that time, I was waiting to live again. And I guarantee you, on the day I die, if I could have those moments back, I would at least do one thing that was living during that time. Y'all, let's be honest, I'm stuck here. As I'm saying this, part of me is saying, now, honey, there's some folks out there that cannot pull their head up above water right now. I know that. And I've been there. But I also just want so much to encourage you, deeply encourage you, to go listen to the trees, to open yourself up to positive energies, to try. And I know it may be impossible, but the good old college try, just one kick, just one little tiny try, even if you fall back down on your ass, because at the end of the day, you may be the only thing to save you, honey. You may be all you've got. I've got a depressed son, and it breaks my heart to see him struggle. But he is trying, desperately trying, to find light again. He went on a run the other day. Seen him outside reading and looking at flowers. He's attempting to breathe. Of course, his depression is different than other people's depression, and we're all different. But, you know, if anything can heal us, we gotta try. Sometimes I can't find the words to actually say a thing outright. And I'm Southern. And I was raised on stories. So let me tell you a couple. One of them just happened a couple of days ago, actually. I had a chicken that did not get to sit on her eggs. All the others that had come with her, all of her sisters, they all got to sit on eggs. Well, she was late to the party and she had not been broody. And so all the babies were, you know, dispersed and grown or sold and All of a sudden, her little fluffy ass went broody. Well, we tried to take the babies away from her, in the egg, I mean, and she was violent. It was as if she knew that she was the only one who had not had an opportunity. And let me tell you, a broody chicken, if they're not allowed to do what their body is begging them to do, they can get very depressed. Do not want a depressed chicken. They will stop eating. They will stop drinking. You know what depression's like, y'all. They'll sleep all the time. We don't want that. So we took a bunch of her eggs from her because she, of course, had done what her sisters had done and was stealing eggs and had too many. We left her with uh, six. Well, her first two hatched, and they were so cute, and she was all about them, and she got up off the nest and wouldn't go back. And that's just a horror show. Because all those babies are just going to die a slow death in the egg. Now, I didn't notice this. And it was the next day. And all the eggs were cold. That's not a good thing, y'all. So, I did a Hail Mary. And I grabbed them all. And I ran in. I have a little incubator. It's not much. A little $130 incubator. And I threw them all in there. And then I hoped. And the first day, I took them all out. And... I candled them, and there was a lot of death. And we got down to, I think, three. And nothing came out of the other eggs, so they ended up in the garbage. And I went in there to pee, and all of a sudden I heard chirp, chirp, chirp coming out of the incubator when the baby chicken pops through their inside layer to get to the air sac. You can actually hear it chirp without it even being broken open, and it's adorable. And I shoved that incubator on high, and I was like, ooh, ooh, here we go. Nobody else hatched. Those things were left for dead. There was no hope for them but one. One. One little perfect, tiny, bantam, buttery-colored, silky baby. And it's a girl, and alone in the world. And that's not good for chickens either. 
So I promptly sent her over to another chicken lady's house who had a new kind of clutch going on and that chicken got to grow up with them. But there was no hope on this chicken, y'all. There was no hope. And all of the research said don't. It, it won't happen. They've been cold for too long, too close to birth. But one was born. Now let me tell you another story. I don't know which one to actually pull from because I have had so deep of a valley hit me in my life before. It's been more than one time I didn't think I wanted to breathe the next day. But let's see. I think the best one I could offer you would be that I was pregnant, the one I've already mentioned. I was on a mountain. The asshole I was married to ran off with his secretary. We had to drink water from the waterbed, and it was really hard. But I don't know if I told you this part. I went from being a landowner and a car owner and a happy little mama to living in the projects where I could hear gunshots at night and we weren't safe and my car was repossessed and no daddy in sight with no hope out of there, I thought. None. And I remember laying in that bed with a new baby and two little kids and thinking about suicide. I had it all planned out how to make sure the kids wouldn't get hurt. I thought I had it figured out. And I didn't want to hurt anybody. I don't think most people understand these impulses. I was in so much pain, I couldn't feel anything else, but I wanted release. I've heard folks say it's selfish before, but obviously the folks who've thought that have never actually experienced that deep of a low. You're not even capable of thinking of someone else when you're drowning. Anyway, I laid there and... I decided that was what was going to happen the next day. And then I called my grandma and I had what I thought was the last good talk with her. And she said, are you all right, baby? And I said, yeah, I'm fine. And the next day I woke up and the sun was hitting on that pillow beside my head and the pain was still there. So it was time to do what I'd planned. And I decided to go ahead and enact the whole thing, you know, to make all the phone calls, pretend I was going on a meeting. And I noticed the way the sun was shining on the pillow, there was this tiny little rainbow. Behind me in the window, there was a little prism that I don't remember even putting there. But I still believe that somebody else left it in that window when they moved out. And it was making this little rainbow. And I was laying there and I thought, I will miss colors. I love colors. I would hate to miss colors. You know, it's the smallest thing, y'all, that can save you. The smallest thing. For me, it was the loss of greens and blues. You know, that song by Elton John where he talks about deep greens and blues. Is that it? Are the colors I choose? No, that's that's James Taylor. Uh, Your song by Elton John has something about greens and blues too, but I've always loved greens and blues and I didn't want to not see green and blue. I know you think that's horribly selfish. I had beautiful children, but you know, serotonin is a thing and my brain was broken, baby. It was broken and I was in horrible pain and I didn't think I'd be a good parent. No one could have saved me from that, but those greens and blues, no one. The other day I was walking around and, you know, I'm in Alabama, even that we've got this uh, cold front coming in, the days are nice and it's not a freeze. It's just a kind of dip in the pattern and honeysuckle was blooming over there by my watershed and I popped one off and I smelled it and I tasted it. I don't think I even recognized how low I'd gotten and all of us can get like this. I don't care how strong you are, what kind of teacher you are, what kind of leader you are. Don't be on a high horse, honey. We all hurt. And I breathed in that honey flower Alabama goodness and I thought I would miss honeysuckle. Now, I don't know how low I'd sunk because it pulled me right back up. And then again... Us witches sometimes forget we're witches. Oh, we can go along and write a book about it, can't we? We can do a blog post. We can do a podcast. Oh, we are so wealthy in our wisdom. Look at us. 
old wise witches bullshit. Bullshit. And we forget we're witches. And we get disappointed in things and we get sad about our lives and we see all this death around us. And if we're empaths, we really suffer. And we forget to call for help. We forget to heal ourselves, just like physicians. I like to go to water. And y'all know that. I don't know what does it for you. But for me, blessing a big old pot of well water and shoving my hands down in there and wailing and crying and letting it all go in that water because babies, water can take it. It's the blood of the great mother. It's the blood of oceans. She can take it. And then just turning and pouring that pot of water onto the ground, letting it bleed out and healing myself. And I forget to do it. I forget to care for me that way. So I don't know. How have you tried to heal yourself? Have you called for help? Whether it be to the sky or a tree or to a friend, which may be your baby kitty cat right now in your lap, on your desk, somewhere close to you, looking you dead in the eye right now, wanting to help. I don't know. I just didn't want to paddle water. If this were the last year I had on earth, I don't want it like that. And you know, I'm a pain in the ass and not everybody's like me and I get that, but I don't want to go down like that. I want to go down looking at the flowers, looking at blues and greens. I want to go down excited about the corn coming up. Even if I can't have the corn. I want a last laugh. I want a last smile. So I don't want to wait to 2021 or 2022 to live. I want to live now. I don't want it to be the lost year. And I'm sorry, malls and restaurants and such as that, even material things, they're not living. They're not important to me. What's important to me? Well, I'm lucky enough to have children. I'm lucky enough to have chickens and a husband. I'm lucky. Broke as hell and lucky as hell. But if I only had one friend and I only had one flower, then I'd still be rich. Y'all know I'm a firm believer in science. I'm not one of those damn stone-cold fools who would sit out here at the house and think God's going to heal me. Hell no, if I'm sick enough, I'm going to take penicillin or whatever. But the truth is, is I don't think half of that heals the soul. And what does heal the soul is right outside that door. And yes, that's going to be difficult right now. That's going to be hard. But if we do the best we can to get outside the door, two feet to a flower, one foot to a tree, or if we don't have that and we have a friend we can call, that's something, isn't it? You can heal yourself that way. Maybe not completely. Maybe enough to get through today. Maybe enough to cry yourself to sleep and wake up hoping on greens and blues. So whatever it is, if you're listening to the sound of my voice, write down what you would miss. Even if you have to sob and snot your way through that, write down what you would miss and find the number one thing. And hold on to that. It does not have to be a person. It does not. It's just the thing you love. Whatever it is. Also, I do want to put this out here. I'm not a therapist and I can't be yours. I'm too fucked up like the rest of y'all to be a therapist. But I'm here if you want to email me. And I'll do the best I can. So if you're really lonely and you need to talk, email me. I'll do what I can. Okay? Oh, and by the way, that song by James Taylor that I got confused with Elton John's Your Song that also talks about blues and greens is called Sweet Baby James. And you will love it. When my children were babies, I would sing it. Chorus is something like Rock of My Sweet Baby James. And I would rock my children and sing it to them before cigarette smoke and age ruined my voice. I was young. And I wanted them to have those deep blues and greens. Okay, well, fuck it. One more story. What do y'all think? One more? The baby I was pregnant with on that mountain. I think I've told you this before, but let's talk about it on the most real level I can. Nobody wanted him to be born. 
And that is really hard, I'm sure, for him to hear, but it ends so well. Who cares, right? He sort of was like that baby chick, except for his mama didn't desert him. But nobody wanted him to be born. His daddy wanted me to get an abortion. My mother wanted me to get an abortion. All of my family units that were part of her web all wanted me to get an abortion. My friends wanted me to get an abortion. And the thing was is that I really tried to have him. So now that it was not as convenient anymore with the daddy done run off and all, I didn't feel that was fair. I'd asked him into the world. And so I did it all alone. I lost way too much blood. Uh, They called the father and they said, you know, you're her blood type and she's losing blood and we need a donor. And he said, let her die. Um, Nobody was there with me. Nobody wanted to be there with me. He pulled my bladder out on the way out. And that's what happens when you're 10 pounds and your mama's 98 pounds. Um, And it's also what happens when we eat too much Briar's Mint ice cream, y'all, when we're pregnant. Anyway, he came out, and I was all alone in the world, and you know how much depression I was going through. Well, now, we're just mutts in my family. I have an Apache father and Cherokee on the other side. A ridiculous amount of Irish thrown in for just shits and giggles, quite honestly. No English, no French, nothing very highfalutin. We're mutts. And... I have, you know, or did have brown eyes. They have since turned a little hazel with age because you lose your pigment in that kind of sad, y'all. And um, my other two children had gorgeous chocolate eyes. And all babies are born with blue eyes and then their color changes. Their eyes start to take on the hue that they will have the rest of their life. And I was holding him in that sun only a few days after my little failed leave the planet plan. And I was looking down in his beautiful eyes, and I noticed a splash of brown, a splash of chocolate in his eye starting. And it literally looked like someone took a paintbrush and came down and just dabbed right there in the colored part of his eye. And I cast on it. (laughs) And I said, no, stop, 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 stop. I need blues. I need blues or greens right now. Please stop, stop, stop. To this day, he's 24 years old and he has just one tiny splash of brown in that eye. (laughs) Permanently halted and forever blue-eyed. Magic is real. Magic can heal you. Magic can give you hope. Cast for yourself. Fight the boogeyman. Don't go down screaming. Okay, on the subject, though, of depression and how we're working really hard to try to find something to be happy about right now, I have drugged my baby son into the room. (laughs) And you want to say hi to people, honey? Hey, how y'all doing? (laughs) And um, he's about as country as you get, and it's all my fault. (laughs) (laughs) And he is the father-to-be of my first grandchild. The cool thing about Jacob is he was pretty much uh, raised pagan, right? Yep. But did really fall in love with some beautiful parts of Christianity when he was older. And so now I guess he's a bit of a half-breed, would you say, Jacob? Yep, for sure. Can you talk about what it's like right now, since we've been holed up together almost three weeks, for you to be able to go out into the world go find a tree, whatever it is, and find that critical piece you were looking for? Uh, Well, to me, I think that the most important part of keeping yourself sane is getting back with nature and getting back with the universe and everything. And no matter what you believe in, you have to feel that everything around you has energy. And I like going out on the water and going out to fields because you get away from the rest of the world and you can really listen and feel mother nature all around you and see the fish swimming underneath you. I mean, sometimes I feel like people lose the whole, we came from nature and we came from everything that's holy. So it wouldn't make any sense for us to not really go out to nature to kind of relax and find ourselves again, because that's really the only way to do it is to go out by yourself and sit and just listen to the birds and hear the wind blowing through the trees. I mean, that's 
at least what I do. So my son and I have had a lot of conversations. He was trained in the tribe, and so he fully understands the goddess energy. Um, I think he just feels more comfortable calling it God, but I think we're talking about the same thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And do you find God out there? Is that where God is? Oh, yeah. I mean, in my opinion, personally, I don't think that you should have to go to a church to be able to get in touch with the Lord. And I also don't believe that it's one or the other. I mean, none of us know what God really is, man, woman, or both, or neither. No one really knows. So to me, I think that going out to nature is kind of like my church because I don't like being around all the people that say you have to be one certain way to be a good Christian or one other way to be a good Christian. I think it's all about the way you live your everyday life. And if you focus on being a good person and do everything in your power to not hurt anybody and be noble with everything that you do. Let me ask you a question, Jay, since you are a bit of a half breed. Do you think that maybe more Christians need to accept what you just said about nature and the primacy of magic out in the trees and the creeks and that that is a real thing that, let's say, God put on this planet? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, back in the day, people didn't go to some big, giant church in the middle of town. They would go, if there was a church, it would be a little tiny country church in the middle of nowhere. And most services that I've seen from back in the day, most of them were all outside because it's like with the pagans, how you have to ground yourself and feel your roots and feel the energy around you. Why would it be any different with God? Because really, we're all talking about the same thing. It's magic and energy. So whether you see it as a goddess or a god or whatever, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day because we're all talking about the same thing. Okay, well, let me ask you a fair question. You were raised by a witch. You have a baby coming. Yep. What are you going to do about that kid's religion, Jake? Well, honestly, the way that I think everyone should be is I don't care what religion the baby is. As long as the baby focuses on what I believe in, which is to be a good person, to be honest, and to not lie or steal. I mean, they can be Buddhist, Christian, pagan, whatever they want to be, as long as they're living their lives in a true, honest way. I don't think that anyone should be able to control anyone's religion because religion is within yourself. It's not, it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. The religion should be inside you. And if you believe it, then it's true. And that's how you find your way. And I don't think any religion should be like, oh, that religion isn't real. That religion isn't real. Like people try to say about paganism. No, they're all real. It's just the way you perceive it. What's most comfortable to you? Gandhi said there are many ways up the mountain. And I think the important thing is getting up the mountain. Am I right? Yeah. I mean, because if you spend your your whole life worrying about what other people think about what you believe, then you're going to be stuck in the same spot for your entire life. You have to see the path that you're going on. And like you said, it's like a mountain. God or goddess, it's a constant climb up and it's a constant struggle. And me personally, I need something to believe in to get me through that struggle. Why would it matter what you believe in as long as you truly do believe in it and it makes you willing to take that climb? Because that's all life is, is just a big climb to the top. That's gorgeous, honey. I'm so proud of you right now. (laughs) So that baby will get to choose and then will be exposed to several religions then, not just Uh, one. Oh yeah, she's she or he is going to talk to you and learn about your your religion and they're gonna talk to me and learn about my religion then I'm gonna buy books about Buddhism and all that so they can read and actually truly figure out what they want to believe in because it's not my religion even though it's my kid it's still its own person you know who am I to decide what you believe in that's fantastic and I don't know if you've ever heard me talk about dogma but dogma are sort of like well this is a layman's way of looking at it policing a religion with these hard, rigid lines, you must do this, or you're not godly, or you're not, you know. And some Christian considerations, you're not saved. I mean, these no. hard, rigid guidelines. But for me, you know, like you said, nature is pretty much where God, goddess resides, the great spirit. And there don't seem to be a lot of rules out there in the woods. Yeah, I mean, if you look at all like old I watched a really old movie about God one time and the whole time he's in the woods the whole time he's talking to his father he's in the woods the whole time and all of his disciples are all in the woods with him and they're not 
cooped up in some church and forgive my language, but fuck those people that say you have to be a certain <laughs> way to be a Christian. All you have to do to be a good Christian or to be a good Christopagan or whatever mm-hmm. is to live your life in an honest way. And most of those people that are trying to hit you with all these guidelines, they don't follow those guidelines themselves. They, right. they think that it makes them a Christian just to go to church once a week and that's good enough. And right. That's not the case. I, it's not just a Sunday service and that's, that's everything you're into having because you went to church one Sunday every week. Like, no. And you're not really great with rules anyway. I mean, you dip tobacco and cuss a little and have a little whiskey here and there, but you're you're a good man and you pay your bills and take care of your wife and you're good to your mama. So those rules don't seem to be anything to do with the soul. They seem to be more like just trying to keep somebody in a box than it has to do with growing as a person. Well, I mean, Macklemore said it best in one of his songs when he said that you've drank the unholy water, talking about the water that they get baptized. No, he says you get you got baptized in unholy water because he's talking about the people who hate gay people and say that mm. God hates gay people. Well, if God hated gay people, then why would he have created them? Wow. And, I mean, God, I love you. <laughs> in, in the Bible, it says God loves all of his children. And to me, it doesn't like gay, straight, whatever, it says it in the Bible that God loves all of his children. So why would we put one group of people and say, no, you're going to hell because of who you love? Like, it's all love. So who is anyone to decide who you should love or not love? I like this idea of unholy water. I mean, I don't like the idea, but I like the way you're phrasing this because you're you're basically talking about reminding yourself to be sacred, yeah. reminding yourself to be, as you say, holy and that has nothing to do with hate. No, I mean, hate's a poison. And that's what a lot of Christians don't understand. I've made statuses about this before saying, how can you call yourself a Christian if you if your heart's filled with hate? And you're constantly hating every everyone that's different. Like piercings, tattoos. I got tattoos, but I got tattoos because it's the way I express myself. And no preacher should be able to tell you how to express yourself. Because at that point, that's almost like a police state. Like, you don't have your own free will. You have to go completely off of what the church says. And God even said, don't make a church after me or Jesus. So mm-hmm. I think it's almost unsacred to have those because he didn't want those mm-hmm. in his name. But he's out there on the river. Oh, yeah. And yeah, every time I go out fishing and I'm on the canoe, I feel closer to God than I ever did in a church. Mm-hmm. Because church, you've got to watch what you say and you got to dress nice and shake hands and smile and... I mean, God was a badass. He threw stuff. He <laughs> called, raised hell, and he turned wine to water, or water to wine. So, I mean, it just doesn't make any sense the way that everybody is trying to say, oh, this is the only way to heaven. Like, no, that's wrong. I'm sorry. I don't care who you are, but that's that's completely, completely inaccurate. Well, all those things are material things. A building, the clothes you put on, you know, these are the car you drive. These are all material things. And I guess the big question, according to the Cherokee, would be, what care the great spirit of those things? Okay, well, honey, we're some of the lucky ones right now. We have this little two-acre mini farm, and right now we can walk outside, and we can go over to the trees, and we can go to the blueberry bushes, and we can kind of get away from each other a little bit and feel that. What would you say, and all of your young wisdom... For someone who's very depressed right now and very alone right now, do you have any thoughts on that? I mean, it can be a very hard time for everyone right now because we've never seen anything like this before. At least if you're younger like I am, we've never seen this in our lifetime. And I understand that a lot of people are depressed and suicidal and a lot of people don't have a good place to go, but you really just have to keep your head up and look at it and know that there's always a brighter day at the end of the storm and that there's going to be an end to this. So if you can stay true to yourself and not let everything bring you down and stay connected to your higher power and pray or light an altar candle and sit there and just try and find yourself again, root yourself and realize that this cannot last forever and it won't last forever and that we will see the end of this. So you just have to keep your head up and look for the brighter day. Well, I want to say that I'm just going to go ahead and hit you with this. You went through some, we don't have to talk about if you're not comfortable, but in general, you went through hell yourself in 2016 and you lost everything. You, I'm not going to say what all you lost. Uh, I'm okay to talk about it. And, uh, in 2016, I was 
I had a baby on the way, and I was engaged to be married to some lady that I will not mention her name anymore, but she pretty much ruined my life. I wanted to be a police officer my whole life, and she pulled some strings and ended up putting me in jail, and then at the same time, she aborted my kid and then threw my my ring in the river and left me, and I was suicidal, and I just sat in my trailer all day thinking about how horrible my life was, but... You lost your job. Yeah, I lost my job. And then one day, I I like to say, like, I woke up. I looked around and I realized, well, the world's not going to wait for you. Everything's still turning. The world's still turning. Everyone's still working. And I will never find my own happiness if I don't pull myself out of this rut. And I had to cl- it was like climbing a mountain from the bottom back up to the top. And now I'm in a better spot. I got a wife. I got maybe two babies on the way. We're not sure yet. It might be twins. Yay. And I got a nice car and a good job and good family. And I realized that I needed to go through that to make myself a stronger person. And it taught, even though it was a bad time, it taught me a lot of lessons about life and about the people that you're around and being able to read people and know when they have bad intentions in mind. Right. But do you think you would even enjoy where you are now as much as you're we really are one of the more resilient ones in our household. We all are having come aparts here and there. You seem to be more resilient than everybody else in the household right now. Not to cast disparages, but we're all going through a lot being yeah. in quarantine. You just keep going out there and going fishing and bringing it home and feeding the family. And I don't know, seem to have a piece about yourself. And do you think it is because of what you went through in 16 that prepared you to do this? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, nothing now can compare to the hell I went through in 2016. And I mean, the scars are still there. They've healed, but they're still there. It's one of those things where no matter how much you heal, you'll always still have that spot in your heart for everything that you've lost, but you can't look at the things that you've lost. You have to look at what you've gained. And even in this bad time when everything is shit and the world sucks, you can't let that break you down because if you break it down, then it wins. And I've always seen it as a game. You have to be the stronger player in the game. And that's, I think, why I don't I don't have such a hard time during this. And me going through hell taught me how to, I guess, live like that. And now that we're going through hell again, this isn't anything new to me. This is a walk in the park compared to what I've been through in my life. I also would point out that you're an Aries like your mama. And I don't think everybody are, are like, they're not all like us. And we have to think about that. Some of them just aren't, I don't know, as rebellious and fiery as we are. But like Shawshank Redemption, which came up with my friend Jamie the other day, we've really got to look at get busy living or get busy dying. Yeah. I mean, that's all this is. It's it's pretty much a battle between life and death. And if you lay down, then you're accepting the fact that you might die from this. And I'm not willing to accept that. Because I'm not going to let this virus beat me. And I'm not going to let it beat my family either. So the best thing you can do is act like you're fighting a war. You're at war against this virus. To stay healthy is a task right now. I agree with you. I think to stay healthy right now is the battle. The war is coming out of it with something left to live for. And that's hard for a lot of folks, I guess. You know, I was saying earlier in this podcast that you didn't hear that part. That there was a time in my life that the only thing I could live for was laying there considering suicide. And the only thing I could live for was the color blue and green. It sounds so stupid. But I love those colors so much. And I remember laying there thinking, I will miss blues and greens. I mean, whatever it takes to stay alive, fight the boogeyman and dig down deep and find that thing. And the other thing is, is if you are constantly worried and stressed out and sad about the situation you're in, that will also take a toll on your health. Positivity is the best medicine that we can have. I mean, we all have control over our own body and our own mind, even though it's hard. You can teach yourself how to kind of give yourself therapy and bring your mind back to where it needs to be. And one of the things that I'm looking at this is, I mean, we're going to be badasses once it's, shit, once it's over. We're going to be able we have this amazing story to tell about this coronavirus that came around, took down so many innocent people, and may they rest in peace. But this is going to be a story to tell for generations and generations, and we will go down in the history books as mm-hmm. the people who survived this. Mm-hmm. And 
to survive it, you have to stay resilient. And But most importantly, you have to stay positive. Yeah, I agree. I mean, and that's hard for a lot of people. It doesn't necessarily mean we're going to win, but we have to assume we're going to win. You have to live every day like you're going to win the battle. Right. Because to me, failure isn't an option. I let failure be an option to me for a lot of my life. And I was lazy and upset with everything and blaming everybody else for the situations that I was in. And then I realized that I'm putting myself in those situations by constantly dwelling on the past and dwelling on everything that's happening. So if you can get that warrior mindset that you're not going to let you let it take you down, then it won't. And self-quarantine, it while it sucks, I mean, this is how you fight this battle. Other battles, you go out and you fight it face-to-face, but this one, you fight from a distance and you let it run its course. I'm really amazed at what you just said because a lot of folks are having trouble with quarantine and I know that you missed having your big wedding and you missed a birthday party and you missed a baby shower. And, and my first ultrasound. And your first ultrasound. And these were not easy things for you to do. Nope. But you are fighting that battle from here. And sometimes I think that battle is even within ourselves. Oh, it definitely is. I mean, the, <clears throat> the, the hardest battle you'll ever go through is the battle with yourself. Because at the end of the day, when you lay down and you're going to sleep, the only thing that's talking to you is your mind. And if your mind's not healthy, then that, there goes the rest of your body. I mean, you have to have your mind healthy and worked out to be able to get through any sort of bad situation. And I think it helps me that I have a wife and a kid that's coming because it makes me have to be a stronger person for them. And well, That's fair. Not everybody has that. That's fair. Yeah. But even if I didn't have them... You have to live for yourself. You can't worry about what other people think. And that might sound selfish, but sometimes in life you have to be a little selfish. Because at the end of the day, they're not going to be there when you're going through hell. And they're not going to be there when you're laying on your deathbed. So if you have a significant other, if you can't find the strength to fight for yourself, you have to find the strength to fight for them. And I think it all has to do with not even being a man, but being a human in general. Everybody says, oh, you got to act like a man. Well... That's dumb because we don't push out the babies. We don't do that. I mean, we help create the life, but the women are the ones that push out the babies. So if anything, we should look at them for the strength that we have to use. The boy was raised by a feminist. Yeah. (laughs) And it's showing and it's good. Okay. So you do have hope? Where have you found God to be the most? You said, you know, we've got river, we've got trees. If you could close your eyes and, and feel that right now, where is it residing for you the most right now? On a creek bed, honestly. Throwing out a fishing line. I mean, that's where I find my peace, and that's where I find that I can talk to God. It's really just because it's silent, and the only thing around you is just the birds and the fish jumping in the water. And in times like this, you have to look at the rest of the life that we have around us. The birds are chirping, the fish are jumping, the deers are running, and... There's still so much to live for, and there's so much life around you. <laughs> it is emotional. Yeah, I, it is. I have to say that I think we're all so lucky that we live here. Oh, yeah. I mean, if it wasn't for this, I would be stuck in a one-bedroom apartment with a little concrete pad behind me, and that would definitely make it a lot harder. I agree. I think those folks need to reach out to people to talk to. Yeah, for sure. And even if you live in the city, also you can also find your escape still. I mean... I know some places they have the travel ban and everything, but I mean, still, I mean, you can go outside and look up at the sky and the sky's still blue. The bees and the birds are still flying around. Even if you are stuck in a concrete jungle, you can still look around and see all this life that is thriving around us. And the plants are blooming and the pollen's out and life really isn't that bad. It's different in that the difference in life and the change of life is affecting a lot of people and making a lot of people get down but you got to realize that before we had all this technology this is how life was yeah that's true i mean it's a good point it's like we're getting a cosmic reset and going <laughs> back a couple a couple of decades to realize like, no, a couple of uh, centuries yeah, a couple of centuries yeah. to realize that we don't need all this to survive we don't have to spend all this money we don't have to do all this to be able to survive you just need your family and yourself to be able to survive through any like anything. If you have a strong soul, you can survive through anything. And a good set of skills, maybe. Yeah, like... I'm, you I'm, self-taught yeah. yourself fishing. Yeah. I taught myself how to fish. And fishing is a really big thing that I think a lot of people need to learn right now. And even though fishing is hard, I mean, all you got to do is throw your line out there and get the technique down. Like, 
the reeling it back slowly and popping it a couple times. And if you can't, if you don't know how to do it, watch a YouTube video. That's what I did. Mm-hmm. And then I taught myself how to fish, and now I can bring home 10, 12, 13 fish a day. And fed the whole family the other night lemon pepper fish yep. over a fire. That was so good. Yep. So some of these things, maybe we could pull something out of it that is positive. Getting back to nature. And I hope a lot of people, I know that the other day I looked at the seed catalogs online and they were, a lot of them closed down because people are really hitting them hard and heavy. And I guess starting to see that they need to grow their own food if it's at all possible. And so there is a resurgence, I think, back to nature, self-reliance. You know, when something like this happens, you realize... I mean, because if you think about it, I mean, if you live in a city like I did, then you're relying on other people to sustain yourself, and you're relying on food trucks and other people to grow your food, and I mean, what's the point if you can get out and do it yourself? And plus, it tastes better, and it's more satisfying when you go out there and you do the work yourself, and that's how it used to be. Everybody used to be a gardener, and everybody used to be a hunter, because that's how you survive. Yeah, and it's bringing that back, which is a bit of an art. Yep. It's bringing that back, and I think that's good. I've even said to some folks who don't have land, you know, get a planter, grow some chives in your window. Yep. Do something to, I know in bigger cities you can do community gardens. We can't do it right now, but maybe later. But for us not to forget that when we give up the freedom and the right to grow our own food, we become dependent. Oh, yeah, it's, it's a form of control. I mean... The government, and while I do love my country, the government doesn't want you to be able to Mm self-sustain. They want you to have to be able to rely on them for everything that you need. And I'm personally not willing to put my faith into somebody else, especially not people whose only real objective is money. Mm -hmm. And that's showing right now with Mm -hmm. our president and with everything else and how he's more worried about getting the money back so he doesn't want the country to go broke, but it's not going to matter if we're all dead. It certainly isn't. We can't rebuild if we're dead. Exactly. Right? All right. Well, I think that's wonderful, son. And you've done better than I could even imagine. (laughs) Yeah, I was nervous. (laughs) Are there any last words for all of my my witchy friends out there? Um, From From a Krista Pagan? Yeah. I mean, pretty much just Find it within yourself to stay positive and find it within yourself to realize that, yeah, we are going through hell right now and it is a really dark time, but there is a light at the end of the tunnel. And And, sometimes that light's in your chest. Yep. And no matter what you believe in, we're all still alive and we all still have a pulse. So we're all sacred in our own ways. So really just keep your head up and realize that this isn't going to last forever and the best thing that you can do is be positive. I love that, baby. All right. I'm going to let you sign off. Say bye, y'all. Bye, y'all. It was good talking to you. Well, that was my baby, and I hope y'all enjoy that. We all need to be together these days, and sometimes our faith is not exactly the same, but our hearts are. Love y'all like chicken. See you next week. Y'all have been listening to the Southern Fried Witch Podcast. Come back around next week for a little bit more magic from the Deep South.